Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited. Um, Before we jump in, we'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. They are sturdy. They will not break. <laughs> they don't pop break down. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Right now, we've got a quarterly membership going on, which I think is awesome. I think it rocks. Um, we've got everything you need um, inside of our roadmap. You know, the uh, Teach Hoops did a roadmap because you're always in one of four seasons, right? You're either in preseason, you're either in postseason. Um, you're either in the season or you're in the off season. One of those four seasons you're always in. And we set up a roadmap and a checklist to make it easier for you. So come over, join us at teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. But let's head off to the podcast. And I hope you I hope you enjoy this interview. Let me know what you think. Here we go. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. All right. So, Coach, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. And then I'm going to have you kind of tell your story because your story is kind of unique. Um, where you started and where you ended. And then um, for your story, I think it would be interesting to say how, where you started is going to, how you think that's going to transform your coaching. So I think that would be interesting for the listeners. So why don't you, I'll, I'll be quiet now. I'll let you talk for a little bit and you just kind of give us a background of that. I could first, um, I'd like to say, uh, Coach Collins, what you do for coaches across the country is incredible. Oh, thank and, you. Thank you. Um, I think I've listened to every podcast that you've ever made and <laughs> trying to get through every course that, that, uh, that, that you've done. So I really appreciate the opportunity of, uh, for you even having me. All right. On. Checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's all true. Um, so I, I um, grew up, um, I, I was just, I just had just a mom. Uh, luckily uh, she met an awesome guy and, she got married to him, and he was a basketball coach. And about age eight o'clock, I fell in love. I mean, at age eight, I fell in right. love with the game. Okay. Been in the gym, you know, ever since. Um, 
had a detour. You know, I knew I was going to be a coach, but uh, I went in the United States Army. Uh, went to airborne school, kind of fell in love with the Army. I uh, had a couple kids, and my priorities got changed in a little different direction. And, um, you know, I, I served four tours in Iraq, one tour in Afghanistan. Um, so tell me about those, because we've never talked about those. How oh, were those? Um, um, so in 03, uh, I was in 82nd Airborne Division. We, we crossed the berm on the day that the, the war started. And, you know, coaching in the military is just like coaching a basketball team, creating culture, creating right. – I mean, in, in the 82nd, we have a, a um, two-part saying. When, when you see an officer, you say airborne, and, they, and their response is all the way. And that's just setting a tone – for the unit, you know, for camaraderie. Right. I'm a big, I'm a big World War II buff. So um, the 82nd Airborne had a lot to do in a, in World War II too. So, um, yeah. So keep going. So you know, building teams, um, the same concepts that you do in the in the military are the same ones as in basketball. Shared hardships, muddy boots leadership, um, leading from the front, being honest, being genuine, being authentic. Um, I think those are the exact same things. I mean, I, I was a drill sergeant from 99 to 02, and people would say, uh, man, I bet you're skinning those uh, new kids up. And I'd say, no, we're, we're training those kids. Now, right. they're, you know, they're good kids who, who decided to join the Army. Um, you know, we want them to get a new mindset, but uh, you've got to love them first and, and work hard with them. Um, right, because you, you want them to be safe, too. You want them to come home, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And all those same concepts, I think, apply to coaching. You know, um, I mean, I'm a huge Tom Izzo fan, and, but when I saw what happened on the sideline, you know, it's a little different than, than, you know, kind of my vision of, you know, being in the military as a, as a sergeant major or as a first sergeant. You know, those guys that are part of your team, they're just as invested in the team as you are. Right. And – you know, by, by you being encouraging and being positive with them, they'll go as far as, you know. Um, so I kind of looked at the positive reinforcement, um, being close to them, um, sharing hardships, loving them, but being tough on them. Um, so I, I am truly hoping that those military experiences will uh will transfer right. it's the foxhole it's the, it's the foxhole analogy it's the guy i tell my guys it's the guy i want you i want the guy on my left and my right in the foxhole i want to know they got my back you know absolutely <laughs> um you know again like like i said i'm a world war ii buff so it's like yeah it's it, you know i want to know that that when when <laughs> when they start coming that you got you got me and i got you and you know it's like a family kind of thing um, and, 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 you know, I think in the, the military of, of no person is bigger than the unit. Right. And, and you know, the color is going to keep on flying. When right. New people come in and it's building a culture of excellence across your program, you know, of it's bigger than just them. And they're, they're coming into sort of part of something that, you know, is ex exciting and a, a culture of excellence, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So talk about your coaching philosophy. That's a good, that's a good leeway into that. Um, so. I tried to take my philosophy with how I try to live my life. Um, you know, faith, my character, who am I when nobody's around? You know, what do I do in front of my, my, my kids? What do I believe in? Uh, the second one is, is family. You know, you know, here in San Diego, I mean, 
parents are working their behinds off two jobs right. trying to make, make the rent. So I may spend as much time with their kid that they do. And if they're going to trust me with their, their kids and from anywhere from two to four hours a day, you know, I've got to, you know, take on that role and, and, and learn to love them and then learn to learn to love me. Right. Not, there's a, there's a, there's a teacher that does, she did a, um, I cannot think of her name, but she says, you know, um, when she says, you know, I'm paid to teach, they're paid to listen, and they better do what I'm, I'm supposed to say. Well, that's not how teaching works. No. I mean, you know, they, I mean, you may not want them to, to be their best friend. Right. But you do want them to, to, to like you and, and to to want to, wanna, you know, make a difference out on the court. Right. So what do you think the hardest concept as a coach is to teach? Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people kind of crack me up with X's and O's and thinking that they're, I mean, Everything's on the internet. Um, right. There's, every, no, there's no secrets with basketball. I mean, yeah. You know, back in the 70s and 60s, maybe it was a little different. But, right. um, but now, um, I think it's inspiring your kids. I think that um, – I think you can control their fitness level, their conditioning. I think you can control their athleticism by, you know, getting a great strength coach. Um, I think you can control effort. Um, and, I mean – I want to play fast. I think, effort, I think effort's hard. I think you can teach them what effort looks like. Yep. I don't think everybody has the same gauge there. That's the hard part, I think, with effort. I do think it can be taught, though. I mean, um, okay. And how? You know, how? how? That, that would be that would intrigue me. I think that your words are contagious, and I think it becomes infectious. And if you have, if your leaders you know, the first in the gym, the last out of the gym, and they set an example, you know, to create that culture, part of the program. Um, I think you just, you know, start being part of it. And then you got to nip things in the bud with people that aren't working hard. I mean, I, I can remember my, my dad um, in 1982, he had Fred Tisdale, who was one of the better players in the state of Kentucky, won the state champs in 84. And Fred was a good kid. But when Fred would come in and act like he was more important than the team, he'd say, get out, get out. And I mean, and you're talking about a guy who had already at that point, he was only, a, I think, a freshman in high school and already scored a thousand points in high school from the eighth grade freshman year. Right, right. You're taking a true chance, you know, kicking him out of, out of the gym. Right. He, nowadays, he'd be at like three different schools by then. Yeah. Well, he was transferred probably, probably twice already. Right, right. But back, back to that of investing in, in your players. I mean, when you develop that kind of camaraderie with them or with your soldiers, they'll go anywhere to follow you. I right. Mean, you know, and, and I think that's um, – I don't know if you've, you've read the book Culture Code. I haven't, but we'll, we'll get to books in a second. Okay. Hold on. We'll get to books. You're getting ahead of me. So I, I agree. I think – yeah, I, I agree. So, so how, how do you do those things within a practice then? How do you unpack that into a practice? So um, I try to equate anything we do the same way of when I was a drill instructor in the Army. Okay. So, I mean, you never waste any minute. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just real quick, quick shout out to our to um, teachhoops.com who allows us to keep this this thing going. You know, we're over 600 and almost 700 podcasts. Um, go over and support us. And by supporting teachhoops.com, they allow us to do this. Go over and subscribe. 
um, wherever you uh, like this and leave a review. Those five-star reviews do me a lot. They, I, I know they take time to fill out and do, um, and they mean a ton to, to me and um, to everyone that, that helps us here uh, at Coach Market. So, uh, yeah, let's head back to the podcast. Um, once you hit the basketball court, it needs to be all business. There's no walking on the court. Um, I mean, you, you sprint to each drill. You sprint to where you're going. If you're doing a shooting drill, um, if it's two-man, there, there's you're working on closeouts at that point. You're working on boxing out. You're calling out shots, communication. I think the small things add to the big things. And I think that, you know, a lot of people think discipline is yelling and screaming. It's not. It's just strict adherence to the standard of whatever your expectations are. Right. Um, so, I, I, so say that again. So the people are listening, say that again. Cause I think that's the key. Cause I'm not the yeller. I was in my twenties. I'm not even really a yeller anymore. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But my standards haven't changed, and I can get, I can get it conveyed in the same way. So, so say that one more time so the people that didn't hear that the last time about the standards and the, yeah, I love that. And you got to bear with my country accent. So, yeah, I, love, I, made, um, <laughs> I mean, my Northern accent, what are you talking about? <laughs> back, back to like when you first meet you, you know, when people would say to me as a drill sergeant, um, I bet you're skinning those folks up. That's not what drill sergeants do, but they, they train them. And, and discipline is not yelling and screaming and making fun of people. It's, strict adherence to the standard of whatever you're teaching them doing the drill to the very, very best of their ability. Um, and you're not accepting anything different. And so explain how that would work as a drill sergeant, not even in the basketball standpoint, give an example um, of that. No matter what they do, um, it's always done. Um, I mean, when you see a drill instructor walking down the middle of the hallway, you'll just see like the, the seas parting as if Moses was coming through the, you know, the Red Sea. And they're saying, these make way, these make way. It, it's, it's enforcing, and it's not a fear, it's just enforcing everything you do. I mean, there's a way we eat. There's a way we, you know, move in the chow line. There, there's a way that we address people. I mean, uh, yes, sir, no, sir. And um, what happens when I don't do that? Um, well, there's consequences. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, my first year coaching, we, we had a few too many turnovers. Um, I fixed it by any time there was a turnover in, in practice. I mean, it was no, you know, let's have a meeting. I mean, you make a turnover, you, you get down, you do 10 push-ups, and then you get right back on the court. And then it's, it's correcting those mistakes um, and not stopping practice, but there is a, a standard for everything we do. And it's like layups with me. They don't even, they just walk off the court. If they, if they miss an uncontested layup or even a little layup, it's like, yeah, it's like 10, it's like five or 10 pushups. I don't remember what I did. I think it's grown over the years, but they just go off the court at that point. Cause they know that's unacceptable. You can't miss a layup. And and, you know, yeah. I, we would used to say, um, I need, and we would do it on purpose as a drill sign. You'd say, I need, uh, I need two privates over here and nobody moves. You say, okay. Um, so you, 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 I gave you a task and a standard. You didn't do what I actually do. Now I'm going to change the conditions. 
I want all 40 of you privates right here, and you've got 10 seconds to get here. And then you just see a whole platoon sprinting at you to do whatever. So it's kind of changing. There's a task and a standard, but you changing the conditions and whatever that task and standard is if they're not meeting it. So the next <laughs> time, so the next time when you ask that, you get two to volunteer. Absolutely. Well, you'll probably get about 40 volunteers, and you have to send 38 away because uh, they, they know what the expectation is. Yeah, so, so my dad said, my dad said, you may never be in the Army, Steve, but if you're in the Army, never volunteer for anything. That's what my dad's advice to me was. Never volunteer. I would say be quiet, but if the drill sergeant asks for something, you need to move. Okay, okay. <laughs> he says, be you know, a bad, no, be a bad marksman and never volunteer, I think, were the two bids of advice, you know. And, and back to that culture part, I mean, um, you know, before the game, you going over and shaking the other coach's hand, you shaking the referee's hands, you – you know, you, you sprint into timeouts, you, um, you know, when, when you get in the timeout, eyes on the coach, you know, you're paying attention. I mean, I think it's everything is just doing all those small things, you know. Well. Yes. 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 I agree. Um, so uh, what's, what do you think is the biggest obstacle for you as a coach? Oops. Um, my biggest challenge is inexperience. I mean, I'm brand new to the San Diego scene. And I coached two years, and then I'm, I've been blessed enough to get a get a varsity job. So, uh, trying to put together my staff of people having the same kind of character and and you know love for basketball, it's been a bit challenging. You know, I send emails out to if there's a college within 30 miles of San Diego, I send an email out to every head coach, um, assistant coach, but boys and men's if right. they have. A, you know, a person who just graduated or a manager that would be interested. So it's been a little challenging to put my staff together. Um, you know, if I was living in Kentucky and sent out, hey, I'd like for an right. assistant coach, I'd have probably got 200 people would have applied, you know, to want to be coached. But there's so much to do out here in San Diego. The biggest challenge is, is you know, kind of focusing them on not surfing, you know, right. not riding their skateboard, getting them in not the gym. Not being outside. What are you talking about? I'd just be outside all the time. I would literally, like, I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's sunny and seventy-five every day. All the time. Yeah, it's probably uh, snowing where you're at right now. So. No, it's not too bad today, but it nine months out of the year it is. Um, is there one thing you change about basketball? Um, you talking about uh, the anything, the anything, the game, how coaches coach, summer, anything you would change? Yeah, I I would change um, us not having as much time. I think that with us not having as much time with them, you know, they, they find other people that are paying people to, right. to train them. I mean, there's nobody in, in, in Madison, Wisconsin that would get better training unless you or the head coach at Wisconsin was training them, but they're paying right. guys. Right. Um, I wish we had more time with them. I mean, um, and I, and I get why they don't do it, but the, them not doing it, because there's, there's going to be the, – the problem is don't make a rule because of the 10% that are going to do it the wrong way and, like, make them spend four hours. Do it because the other 90% of us are going to do it the right way. We're going to understand that they have a life and that they – this is a portion of it. But the, the, don't spend that money on that. Let me help you become – it's like a math student, you know. If somebody needs help in math, I'm going to help them. Um, yeah, that, so I think that's an issue. Um, so – Describe one moment that we could unpack that maybe would help another coach. A success, a failure, 
some moment in your coaching career? Um, we were playing in the, uh, in the, in the finals of, of a tournament my first year and my best guard hit his head on the, uh, on the court and Concussion. I could t- yeah, I could tell he was, he was hurting and we were playing a private school in the city that, that had beaten us twice. And we only lost, I think four games the, the whole season. And, you know, his parents were into the game. They came over and said, coach, he's good to go. He's good to go. And I said, um, you know, no, sir. I mean, he's going to sit. There's things way more important than, than, than basketball. And right. looking back on it, we found out he had a concussion. He was out for like six months before right. he was able to play again. And, and you know, at the, in that moment, you know, you're, 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 you're into Your the game. Your competitive juices flow. Don't get me wrong. But it's like you got to do what's right by the kid at that point. Yeah, well, you, yeah. you got Jimmy Cricket on your shoulder saying, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. He, he needs to sit. And uh, I, that's one thing that, that you, you know, right. um, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I made the correct decision and, and thought with my head instead of my heart. Right. And the thing is, it was, what's a blessing where we coach now is there's always someone there to help. I mean, we have a trainer or a doctor all the time. So it's like I don't even have to think about it anymore because I just know that well that kid's done and and they should be done. But I have someone saying they're done. It's like okay, I mean I'm not gonna. I mean I don't want to hurt any kid ever. So I mean it just it doesn't make that gray area. Does he have a concussion? Does he not have one? It's like no, you have one done. Next, you know. Um, I think one more moment I could go back to, and I wasn't even. Um, I kept the book, um, and I was nine years old. But when when my high school won the state championship. And I was sitting on the bench beside my, my dad. I mean, what drives me every day is to hope to have that feeling again, you know, right. um, because it's I'm, the taste, man. I'm telling you, it's like <laughs> people that haven't won it don't understand. Like I've been blessed to win three. It's like, and, and trust me, we had a good season last year. We've had great seasons since, but it's like, it's they, someone describes it as it's like when, when a tiger tastes blood for the first time, it's like, they only want that taste again. It's like, nothing's going to satisfy. It's like, if you've won that, if you've won the, the pinnacle, you, that's what you want again. And it's that, yeah, my son's experienced that. Cause he was similar to, he was on the bench when we won it. He was nine. Was he nine? Yeah. Nine or 10. Um, and he remembers. I mean, I'm, I'm in my little blue suit matching them with their blue suits. Yeah, yeah, he remembers. He remembers being late, and he remembers. And yeah. we ended up our last one. They won. He remembers we won in three overtimes in the state finals. Um, yeah, so we won it in the third overtime. Game was tied. It was one of those. And then a kid did a Chris Weber and called a timeout when they didn't have one. Wow. Oh, it was crazy. I'll send you a link, and I'll put it on the show notes for people that are listening. It's crazy. It's a crazy. It's like, I, I literally didn't even remember the game. I had to go home and watch. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, like I say. Um, tell your friends. That would be a good thing. Yeah, sell it. Share this on social media. And then also go over and check out teachweeps.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.